Welcome to the Expert PK and Newbie Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Expert PK and Newbie Podcast. I'm Alyssa. I'm not your host, but... uh, Well, today you are. Today (laughs) I am. I am here with Lachlan Miller and I am actually going to interview Lachlan. So... First, before we get into all of that, I am uh, Josh's wife. I am a producer of this show and, yeah, I do all things behind the scenes. And so um, I try and try and keep these guys in line. <laughs> and she does and she does. And also they might recognise your voice because you are a voiceover artist. I, I am. I mean, I should put it on my resume. Oh, 100%. Now, right? Yeah, totally. So... Uh, if you ever need some voiceover work, please uh, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> e- email me at alyssa at mustardseed.com. <laughs> Pretty much. Is that your actual No. Email? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's get straight into it. How are you? I'm well, yeah. it's uh, We're recording this kind of early January, mm. which means I've just come off the back of Christmas and New Year, which are all excellent family times. And so I've just started back at work, back at church, and writing a sermon right now. But otherwise, January is an... An easy, relaxed period for me generally. Mm. Oh, good. How about yourself, Alyssa? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, Had a little bit of a Christmas break over December uh, and that was really nice, but kind of got straight back into work uh, January 2nd, just, you know, because we had some projects that we needed to finish up over the, you know, over the new year. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm good. I'm chill. Nice to hear. Yeah. Okay. So... You are our resident expert. Yes. Only amongst this group, not amongst <laughs> other groups. Let's let's go back to the beginning mm. of Little Lachlan's life. Oh, okay. I was I was really thinking Genesis, because we're about to dive into the book of Genesis. And you're like, <laughs> let's go back to the beginning. I was like, yes, in the beginning, God tread the heavens and the earth. <laughs> Which we are actually going to be studying Genesis in mm. season two. So that's exciting. That's very exciting. Lots um, of pre-reading happening on my yeah, side. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Let's go back to back to you and mm. back to your roots. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I was born in the early 90s in Sydney, Australia. Uh, grew up down in the Sutherland Shire. If you're in a, if you're in Sydney, that will mean something to you. <laughs> if you're not in Sydney, that means nothing to you, but it's just the southernmost part of Sydney. Yeah, otherwise known as God's country. <laughs> like literally, it's the slogan <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with that? I have no idea. Like oh, beautiful God. part of the world, but a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit strange. So early 90s, mm. we're... we're Hitting our 30 soon, aren't we? Literally turning 30 this year. Yeah. Don't appreciate that fact. Did you grow up in a Christian family? Yeah, yeah. So I had the tremendous blessing of growing up in a Christian family. Um, In fact, while Josh is our PK on the show, I always have referred to myself as a pseudo PK. And that's because mum was on the ministry team at the church that I attended growing up. And so I got all the benefits of being a pastor's kid, which is um, the arrogance of feeling like you run the church of like, doing movie days on the church projector during school holidays, just like absolutely feeling at home and in control of the church environment. But I had none of the negatives of being a pastor's kid, which is mum didn't preach. And so I was never used as a sermon illustration. And so I was actually talking to someone else about this the other day and they went, ah, so you had all the arrogance of a PK without any of the grounding to pull you back down to earth of a PK. (laughs) And I was like, yes, that explains me very well as a child. That's funny. What did faith look like for you as a kid growing up? Yeah, for me, growing up in a Christian family, it was the assumption. 
Mm. Like there was never the assumption of any other belief system. It was just God exists, Jesus died for you, and you go to church every single Sunday, usually for multiple services because that's Mm. the life of a pseudo PK. I was also the type of kid who always knew all the answers in Sunday school, which probably made me quite annoying. Like if there was ever any type of competition for like who could name all the books of the Bible in order or go through all the kings of Israel or just name something about the Bible, I was one of those kids that for the sake of getting a lolly, I could remember anything that was put in front of me. And so I had all the answers. I also had a really excellent children's pastor who really invested in me and taught me well. I found out much later in life, but I grew up loving Pokemon, the Pokemon franchise. Oh, yeah. And I found out much later that my children's pastor at the time had no idea what this Pokemon thing was, but to connect with me better, him as like a 20-something-year-old man sat down and watched the entire Pokemon um, series just so that he could better relate to me as a kid, which was actually really lovely of him. That's really sweet. Yeah, I know. That's so nice. And so he really invested in me pointing me towards Jesus and helping me learn lots and lots of things. Mm, mm, That's really, really cool. And do you think in the same way, do you think God relates to us individually through our personality and and he talks to us in a unique way? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the amazing things about being a Christian is identifying how every single Christian is totally different and unique as a person and – that God relates to everyone in a way that he's made them to relate to him. Like there, there is something unique about everyone's relationship with God, Mm. um, which I think is even obvious from an early age. Like I was someone answering all the questions in Sunday school. And as I've grown older and really become a Christian properly, I've begun to see that that is one of the ways that God and I relate is in a real intellectual way, not at the expense of other ways, hopefully, Um, but that at least was always the starting point and the grounding point for how I interact with my faith. And so do you think God speaks to you like in in that intellectual sense only or is there other ways that God speaks to you and communicates with you? Fantastic question. I probably need to uh, rewind my story a bit to fully answer that. Sure, sure. I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's okay. (laughs) Um, So like I said, I grew up in this Christian family Mm. and – just knew all these things about God, knew all the answers when asked. Um, I started high school and the school chaplain pulled me aside at some point and he used an analogy that really stuck with me that now as a youth pastor, I really do think is true. And that is growing up in a Christian family is growing up with faith with training wheels. Mm -hmm. And so there comes at some point where you have to remove the training wheels. And I've seen lots of people who grew up in Christian families who had the training wheels removed And then just fell flat off the bike. However, I was really lucky. I don't know if lucky is the right word, but I was in the situation where I removed the training wheels in my mind in about year seven. I went, I can't just believe this because my parents believe this. I need to make sure this is something I believe in. And I removed the training wheels and I committed my life to Jesus as a little year seven kid. I got baptized by that children's pastor I was talking about before. And I really see that the beginning of my Christian journey. And so, I actually started reading my Bible, um, which is something the chaplain encouraged me to do. He told me to start reading my Bible regularly, starting with the Gospel of John, which is actually also where Morgan started reading when she became a Christian. That's awesome. Um, I mean, a funny story about starting to read my Bible is the headspace in which I started to read it. 
because this chaplain gave me the challenge of Lachlan, read your Bible every day. It's really important if you're going to call yourself a Christian. And so I started to, and then I sort of fell off the bandwagon and stopped reading my Bible. And like, one day like I was- a lot of Christians do. Yeah. yeah. And one day I was sitting in a circle of friends and I was bragging about something and I don't even remember what I was bragging about. But one of the guys who was also a Christian turned to me and quoted James chapter five, which is <laughs> God humbles the proud and exalts Ooh. the humble. And I was just like, so rebuked at that moment. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to start reading the Bible every day so that one day I can rebuke someone that well. <laughs> like I want to be able to smack down someone with the Bible, with a correct Bible verse yeah. and feel superior. And so from the absolute wrong place and wrong motivation, I started reading the Bible every single day, um, which eventually changed my attitude of, oh, I'm not reading this yeah. so that I can make a good call against another Christian at some point. I was going to ask like, yeah, <laughs> has the reasons changed yes, for why absolutely. you read the Bible? 100%. I'm not in the same I attitude so. I was when I was 12, which is more than half my life ago. Yeah. Yes, definitely changed. Anyway, so high school, mm. fully committed to being a follower of Jesus myself, got baptized, started actually engaging with all the Christian practices we would expect out of a Christian. But then I, I reached the bit at the end of high school where, and this is answering your question you asked oh, a long time ago now, which is, I felt like I knew God intellectually well. Yeah. Like I'd spent a long time reading the Bible. By that point, I'd read the entire Bible front to back. I'd started diving into a whole bunch of really interesting Christian books like John Dixon, John Lennox, something about John's, um, like just reading lots of other material that really helped strengthen my faith and make me believe that this was true and legit. So I had all this intellectual head knowledge about God. Mm. But I didn't feel like I had any experiences whatsoever. And I also didn't feel like I had much of a, an emotional connection to God. It was purely uh, from my research and understanding, the existence of a God felt undeniable. And so Christianity made the most sense out of all the belief systems I'd looked at. So I was going to follow it. And so I finished high school and that's sort of the place I was at. And I also had no idea what I wanted to do post high school. In my like top few preferences for university, I had like accounting, law, and science. Like, if you can choose three more different areas, like, yeah. I just had no idea what I wanted to do. And so, in the well, end, I decided to do in like, a in a way like I feel like all three of those practices kind of like line up a little bit with like God and Christianity and faith. Like, there's a lot of that in the Bible, law, mm. science. Not that much accounting. <laughs> <laughs> Not that much accounting. Yeah. And so I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. But I then decided to do a Christian gap year program. Yeah, cool. Which was a really, really good experience for me. Because across this year doing this Christian gap year program, I was stretched intellectually. I was stretched emotionally. I was stretched experientially. And by the time I finished that year, and it was just one year, I felt like I actually had a holistic faith. It was no longer just, ah, oh, I'm convinced intellectually this is true. It was, I've had experiences, I've felt things about my faith. I actually feel like this is true at a holistic level. And I also decided this is also what I want to dedicate my life to. Not like out of all the things that I had listed on the university preferences, I decided that none of them was what I wanted to end up long-term. But what I really wanted was to serve God and his people for the rest of my life. And do you feel like your emotional connection with God has changed over time? That's a good question. Not necessarily. And what I mean by that is 
I've always been a very grounded person, like even just emotionally. It's not my go-to response. I definitely think about things before I feel. And so the way that I've related to God emotionally is often in those darkest or hardest bits. And while those emotions are different depending on the situation, whether it be anger or sadness or grief, whatever it is, those emotions have always made sense to me as I think about the situation and think about the response. And so I think emotionally relating to anyone is going to have lots of different expressions, Mm. but it doesn't change the underlying or overriding is probably a better way of putting it feeling towards God and what he's done for me in my life. Yeah. So you have a more calculated kind of like logical outlook. Yes. Often to my detriment, but that is definitely (laughs) how I approach life. Yeah. So do you think you're logical outlook on life helps you in your ministry? Um, I think yes, like genuinely yes. In a lot of the evangelistic conversations that I have, the perspective I bring relates to a certain bunch of people. This comes back to your question about how God relates to us all as individuals, mm. with, which I think is totally true. Yes, we, we all have the same Bible and we all have the same God, but he does actually relate to us differently. And so I think the way I look at the world in both our evangelistic way, but also just in our like going through life way really helps others, Mm. certain others. Other people need a different approach, but for some people, when I'm talking about the Bible, my way of viewing it, or rather my way of explaining it, really connects with them as a person. I found that in youth ministry too. Like I will get up and do a sermon or do a talk. It's often quite different just because the way my brain works is insanely structured. And there's always a small subset of our youth group who comes up and talks to me afterwards and is like, thank you so much. That just fit everything together perfectly. Mm. And it's not because I'm a better preacher than anyone else who gets up there. It's just I have a slightly different way of explaining it, which connects to other people who have a certain brain, for lack of a better word. Mm. No, and I think that's really important. I think, you know, diversity in staff at churches Mm. is really, really valuable because not everyone is going to relate to every single pastor or preacher. Yeah who does a sermon. No, so that's really, really great. Was becoming a youth pastor always the plan? Yes, but no. Mm. And let me explain that. Um, So what I found through high school is that because of my love of learning and absorbing knowledge, but also just the way that I related to my friends, is that I became the go-to person to have deep and long conversations with about the meaning of life and faith. Like, especially once you get your license towards the end of high school, you can spend hours just sitting in a car with a friend discussing these things. And it was those moments that I felt most alive and most helpful and almost like I had discovered some type of purpose going on. And so I always felt an inkling towards ministry. And then when in my gap year, I threw myself into every single ministry that I could be a part of every ministry that would let me in, whether it be camp or kids or youth or ministry, like worship lady, like just literally anything that they would let me have a go at. Mm. I had a go at in that year. And I found even more of a, I found that it was a place where my gifts and passions actually aligned really beautifully. And I think whenever I'm giving anyone advice about trying to find a job, finding a place where your gifts and passions work together is always part of the way I explain of finding the dream job for you. And Mm. for me, that was just ministry. And so as I finished my gap year program, I decided, you know what, ministry is the thing I want to do with my life. I believe that we are beings that will live forever. We are eternal beings. And therefore I want to do something that has eternal value. And so I decided that pursuing a life of ministry, becoming a pastor was the plan. 
Now, I didn't immediately go to Bible college. I actually decided that I wanted some type of real world experience. And what's more real world than university? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I committed to doing a three-year physics degree, yeah. even though I, even as I started it, knew mm. that was not what I wanted to do long-term. And I, it's funny because I actually remember that. So a bit of background, like we've known each other for what, like 10 years? Longer, yeah. Longer, like, which is insane. Because we've been out of school for 10 years now. Yeah, like, yeah. But like, I just think that's crazy because mm. I actually remember you starting off in science of, of in some regard. Yeah. And then you fell into ministry. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the places where I see the real direction of God in my life, mm. which is I ended my gap year with what I can only describe as an overwhelming sense that I needed to go study science, specifically at Sydney University. And the only way I can explain that is God leading me there. And what I discovered at university was the science degree was whatever. I engaged with a range of people that was really helpful for my formation. But what I actually did was I joined the Christian group at Sydney University, the EU. And what I got to experience and grow and learn in those three years has effectively been the underpinning of all my theology and all my approaches to ministry that I have today. Like I think being a part of that group was the most helpful experience I could have had for future ministry. I actually ended up working for the EU for two years as a ministry apprentice, which continued to grow in me a good ministry philosophy, but also just really good theological underpinnings. And so I never, ever would have ended up in what is still to this day the best ministry training I've ever had, had I not felt a calling to go study science at this specific place. And as I think back on it, I think it was far less about the science and way more about the group that I got to be a part of, which grew me and hopefully will serve me well for a lifetime of ministry. And and do you think that's where God led you and that was all a part of God's plan? Yeah. I mean, I'm here's my logical side coming out again. All right. If it's happened, it's sort of God's plan, right? Like, it, <laughs> like he's all powerful. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I don't like airy-fairy answers. So when I say mm. I feel like God called me or led me towards doing science at Sydney, I don't like saying that because my logical brain goes like, yes, that is what you decided on, but mm. I don't super know why or how that yeah, sure. ended up. But like genuinely, yes. I mm. think, as I just said, being a ministry apprentice for the EU was the best ministry experience and training I could ever conceive of receiving. And that is a huge foundation for everything I do today as I engage with God's people in God's world. Yeah, and so after doing two years of that, I then just started at Bible college. and slowly crept my way towards doing ministry full-time. Now, the plan was not to be a youth pastor specifically. It is where I am for this season, and I'm loving this season. I'm loving my church. I'm loving the opportunities, and I have no intention of leaving anytime soon. But the long-term goal is not youth ministry. It is just ministry, and it's wherever that is of most help to God's people where my skill sets are helpful for that. What was actually quite funny is talking to my parents shortly after I started at Bible college, and mum said, you do realize that when you were about two or three, you used to crawl up to the front of church. The pastor used to pick you up and continue preaching, holding you because you just happened to wander the front of church. And one day you said to me, as you began to get the ability to speak properly, that'll be me one day, indicating towards the pastor preaching at the front. Wow. And I think it's really interesting in some way that from a very, very early age, mm. that was something that I was driven towards or at least saw as appealing. I just got chills. Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so cool. So 
We're we're in Bible college. Mm-hmm. How long did you study at Bible college for? Yep. So I did my three years Masters of Divinity, which is the most pretentious sounding yeah. degree title so you'll ever hear. What does that mean? Like, what is a Masters of Divinity? <laughs> It's a theology degree where you have to do the original languages. Right. Like that's basically, as far as I'm aware, that's all it is. It's it's a theology degree, but you also happen to have studied ancient Greek and ancient Hebrew. And because they want you to sound a bit cooler, they then chuck on the word divinity instead of theology. I mean, it does sound pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You get to walk around saying, I'm divine, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I have a degree in divinity. Like that's that. how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And so did you actually have to write a thesis? Um, Yeah, yeah. So I, in my final year of that degree, I wrote a thesis on how does God relate to time, mm. which is, I still think, a really interesting topic. I don't know if it has any super practical value in the way we live our lives necessarily, but sure. it was really interesting to spend a year studying and thinking about and reading mm. into. And what was your conclusion, if you remember? Yeah. Well, my conclusion from that was that God willingly subjected himself to time in both the acts of creation and the incarnation. Look, if a listener wants to send in a question asking more, I will take a moment out of a podcast episode at some point to explain that. But for now, that's the very simple. Yeah, cool. Very interesting. Here's a fun question. As long as it's fun. As long as it's fun. Who is your favorite character in the Bible and why? I mean, Jesus is cheating, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Other than Jesus. I should have been more specific. Other than Jesus, who is your favorite human character of the Bible? Like there's, there's a lot of really relatable, excellent characters in the Bible. There's something about Saul's conversion and then amazing preaching and theology throughout the Christian world that is undeniably attractive and admirable. It's one of my go-to examples Whenever I think about anyone that I start to think is beyond saving, I'm like, no, God God saved Saul. Mm. Saul was ready to kill all Christians and had already started doing so, and then God saved him. And so his example in that, but then also the way that he put together the Old Testament with the acts of Jesus and went, wow, these work so perfectly together. This is not a new religion. This is the natural conclusion of my religion. It's just so hard to go past. And the way that he suffered for the gospel challenges me every day. Yeah. Like he did not leave an easy life. He did not live a life of wealth and health. He lived a very painful, sacrificial, suffering life for the gospel. And he was prepared to do it and would do it again and again and again Mm. because of how much he believed that it was true and good for all to hear. And that challenges me every day that that is something to emulate. So I really think Paul slash Saul is is one of my go-to favorite characters in the Bible. And on that, who is your least favorite character? I mean, Judas killed Jesus, right? <laughs> I knew That's, it. I knew <laughs> it. I saw it coming. <laughs> hey, look, another great question. I don't think I've ever stopped to think about who my yeah. least favorite character of the I mean, Bible it's a is. controversial question. <laughs> like Satan? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, that's a good answer. I'm just yeah. pointing out all these can, people can... that did really bad things. <laughs> we can leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like God has a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've experienced that multiple times. He has a sense of creating irony with with answers to prayer uh have you have you have you ever experienced anything like that i mean whenever someone says does god have a sense of humor i say the platypus (laughs) which i always think is a great example of god running out of ideas and slapping a bunch of his old ideas together (laughs) as for his irony i think his irony is undeniable go to any missionary conference and every second missionary will have the same story which is they went god i'll do anything you want except be a missionary, and then they're a missionary. I did the same prayer post-Bible college. I went, God, I've done my three years of study. I understand your word better. Thank you for that privilege. I'm ready to serve you and your people in whatever way you want. 
but I'd rather it wasn't with children. And then <laughs> the job I got straight away was as a youth pastor. How funny. Looking after teenagers. Oh, that's hilarious. And so like that is the example of irony, right? Is yeah. the moment you tell God, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Is often the way he'll challenge you the most. Oh, definitely. And present you with that option. No, that's very, very funny and very true. Like the minute, the minute you kind of like, are like, no, I don't want to do this, but I'll do anything. And then he's like, okay, if you'll do anything, then you'll do the thing you don't want to do. Which is just showing that you're not prepared to give up everything to God. Yeah. And yeah. so he'll just keep asking until you are prepared to give up everything. Exactly. Yeah. Now we've just entered a new year, mm. 2023. Yes. What do you feel like God has taught you over the past year, over 2022? Mm. I mean, 2022 was a huge year for me personally, but also in ministry. And so it was the first year that was uninterrupted by massive COVID lockdowns. And so I, I got to experience a normal-ish year at my church. Like I was like, this is what ministry gets to look like. And that taught me a bunch of things. It was also a year where I got married. Mm-hmm. And so I learned a lot of things relationally, but also like the pure joy that it is to have a partner. Like, yeah. like Em and I have clicked so well and the first year of marriage has been an absolute joy. And that has been a nice moment of thanking God for that. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, I think one of the lessons Em and I have learned and been struggling with is what does devotional life look like between a couple? And I think that is potentially the area of most growth, but also the area to keep growing. Because as a Christian, you have your own devotional practices and you know what that looks like as an individual. Mm -hmm. But when you then get married, you need to figure out how does it then relate to my married life as well. And we're still on that journey, but it has been a joy doing it with Em. Yeah. Do you have any any advice for for newly married couples who don't know how to create that devotional time together? Yeah, my biggest piece of advice, which I actually received from a lady from church, which was whenever either of you suggests spending time in God's word or praying, no matter how you are feeling, you are to say yes. Mm, and mm. if both of you are doing that, then you're already starting in a really helpful place. And so Em and I have been using a devotional book, which we think has been really helpful to center and focus on what we're doing that day. But yeah, just the advice is if either of you is in, even has the smallest inkling of being in the mood that you should look at God's word together, then no matter how the other person is feeling, you say yes, you do your time, which is, I thought, a really helpful piece of advice. Yeah, very helpful. No, that's very good. What bad can come from reading the Bible or in prayer, right? Literally, literally. It's it's always good. My sermon, which I've got to preach in, what, three, four more days, one of my application points is spend more time in God's word this year than you did last year. Yeah. It's still early enough in 2023 that you can make it a new year's resolution. Oh if you yeah, want. for sure. Like it's only what week two. Yeah. Like two or three of January right now. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> like- <laughs> January is that period where you, you lose track of time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then a month later you're like, Oh wow. It's already been a month. <laughs> it's February and I have way too much to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I think I've got one more question. Fantastic. I have one more answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> How about that for anyone out there who? is looking to become an expert. Oh, yeah. Who is looking to maybe look at studying theology and doesn't really know where to start or how to how to move forward with that. Do you have any advice? Yeah. I mean, my first bit of advice is the lecturers at Bible College that connected best with us were the ones that had a, a range of ministry experience just as a starting point, the ones that could draw on their experience with people. 
And so my first bit of advice is throw yourself into doing a bunch of ministry. Don't get to burnout. This is another bit, almost a different bit of advice, but don't overload yourself with that but throw yourself into a bunch of areas where you can grow by doing, grow by experience. Then put together a list, maybe go talk to your pastor of really helpful books or resources to read because you don't need to start studying formally to be an expert. You just need to start diving into content. Find a good podcast. I know that (laughs) sounds ironic coming from me, but a lot of my learning happens by listening to others discuss the Bible as well. Mm. And so start absorbing information as well as you can in a variety of formats. And then if that is all going positive and you have, I mean, the the financial or time blessing to also go to Bible college, then that would be a immensely helpful experience, especially if you throw yourself into it properly. Mm. So when I first started at Bible college, I was of the mindset of, I just want to rush through this as fast as possible. I love doing ministry and these three years of Bible college, I can't do as much ministry. So let's just pump it through. Yeah. But you need to stop and realize the tremendous blessing it is to be able to spend day in and day out understanding God's word better, which will set you up for a lifetime of ministry. And so those are some starting points. Awesome. And do you feel like in the church there is a a, a lack of particular staff members? Like is there a lack of pastors, worship leaders, youth pastors? Yes. So if you look at the stats, there are not enough people in our Bible colleges in Sydney and Australia right now to replace the outgoing staff. Like that's not to replace all of them. That's just to replace those who are retiring each year. There's not enough people enrolling in Bible college to replace those retiring each year. And so over the next period of time, we are going to see church staff options really dwindle. Now, that's probably not as obvious if you live in a major city because those are the places that a lot of people want to work and those are the churches that can afford to put on multiple staff. So you may be sitting there going, oh, we're fine. But Most country churches are without a pastor. If they have a pastor, they probably share it with several other churches to make it happen. Like there is a shortage of all type of ministry workers. And so the harvest is great, Mm. but the workers genuinely are few. Yeah, cool. Okay, sweet. So we need more people to go to Bible college, (laughs) (laughs) which isn't a bad thing. I think that's really fantastic. I do have one more question, I think. Oh, no, I don't know if I have an answer. (laughs) For those who are struggling with their faith and they need more reassurance and and they don't know what to do or that they're going through just a rough season, what would you say to them to kind of like get back on the right track? I have multiple pieces of, of advice for people in that situation. The first and overwhelming piece of advice is that Christianity was designed to do in community. And so no matter how you're feeling, don't cut yourself off from the Christian community. Find a loving, helpful, welcoming Christian space and invest there. And if they are a welcoming, loving Christian space, they will invest in you. Mm. And that is a very important first step. Get answers to your questions or queries or stumbling blocks. And so, like I said, one of the reasons I'm a Christian is I look at the intellectual evidence for a creator God and go, it is undeniable. I believe in a creator. For me, that is part of my Christian journey and and part of my foundation. And so grab some apologetic books, find books that answer the questions that you've got. Because after 2000 years of Christian history, your stumbling block is probably not unique. It's probably been thought about and written about. Mm. So read good answers to it. And then my third piece of advice is even though it's really, really hard spend time reading the Bible. I 
have had experiences reading the Bible where, for instance, this was several years ago, but I decided to read a psalm every day for a particular month. And for a week period, every time I read a psalm, something played out in my day that directly related to that psalm. And I couldn't explain it. I'd never had that experience before. It wasn't intellectual. It was experiential and therefore became quite emotional towards the end because every time I read something from God's word, it played out. Now, that's not always going to happen. Sometimes you will read the Bible for a long time and it will feel very dry and you get nothing out of it. But God does use his word. It is alive. It is active. And so spend time reading it, especially if you're in a place where you're starting to doubt. Definitely. I think that's that's great advice. Thank you, Lachlan. And thank you for listening and watching, everyone. We will be back next week with uh, Josh, mm. our PK, and also my husband. So that'll be fun. <laughs> That'd be a great one. <laughs> it, it will be fun. I'll get to grill him for, for you guys. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for, be for being here. It was a pleasure to interview you. If you like this interview or the first season of the podcast, share it around. We are starting season two very soon mm. after we do all the all the interviews, which is really exciting. Definitely. Very keen. Yeah. We, we mentioned earlier, we'll be looking at Genesis mm-hmm. and yeah, it's going to be a wild ride. Very. Uh, the so- first five <laughs> episodes alone will have a controversial topic to be discussed in each one of them. Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready. And I hope you guys are as well. If you want to share, please do. Uh, that really helps us and we'll see you next time. Thanks guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. A Mustard Seed Creative Production.